Well, it's Palm Sunday here at Mission Liberty Hill, and we are celebrating how our Savior, Jesus Christ, showed up in Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday so many years ago when he went to the cross. And guess what? He still shows up in hearts and lives and homes and families of people who love him as their God, trust him as their Savior, serve him as their Lord, and welcome him as their heavenly king. So we're in a message series right now entitled, Welcome the King of Glory, He is Royal in Character. In this series, we've been laying out the welcome mat for our Lord and Savior, our heavenly King, Jesus Christ, to come and to reveal and to release into our lives and our life together his royal character. Thus far in this series, we've seen what it means to welcome the royal grace of God, to welcome the royal power of God, to welcome the royal attentiveness of God. And now today, we're going to focus on welcoming the royal presence of God as we focus on Jesus and the way that he comes into our lives just as he came into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. So would you please take out your message notes from your uh, worship folder? And if you'd also get your Bible and turn to the passage that we're going to look at this morning that describes Christ's coming into Jerusalem, because there are some lessons to be learned from that. Luke chapter 19 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 19, we're going to look today at verses 37 to 40. And you'll want to keep your Bible open after we read this because we'll be referring back to this passage a number of times in today's message. Okay, Luke 19, verses 37 to 40. This is the description Luke gives us of that first Palm Sunday. When he, Jesus, came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Friends in Christ, I want you to write this on your message notes. Palm Sunday says something. It says this, that our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ, is our all-present God. He is our all-present God. Look again in your Bible at verse 38, and notice what verse 38 says. Blessed is the King who comes. Circle that word, comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus came that day into Jerusalem and Jesus comes every day into our lives if we have experienced by grace through faith the forgiveness of our sins and new life and eternal life in him. He is our all-present God. I say this because the Bible teaches that God is present everywhere. He is our all-present God. Look at Psalm 139 on your notes. 
This is what we can say as redeemed children of God. Read these words out loud with me. Let's read them together. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Jesus Christ is our all-present God. I love the story of a little girl who dropped a glass one evening in the kitchen and the glass just shattered and spread across the floor and her mother said to her, go out to the back porch and get a broom and sweep up all that glass. And the little girl said to his, her mom, mommy, I'm, I'm scared. It's dark out on that back porch. I don't want to go out there. And the mother said, listen, Jesus is with you and he's out there on that back porch. You don't have anything to worry about. Get out there and get that broom. The little girl said, Mama, I'm not going to go out there. It's just dark, and I'm scared out there. And the mother said, Listen, I told you Jesus Christ is everywhere. He's out there on that back porch. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Go get the broom. So the girl walks over, opens up the back door, leans out into the porch, and says, Hey, Jesus, would you hand me the broom? <laughs> he is our all-present king. He is present everywhere. So here's the message of Palm Sunday. And you can write it on your notes. This is the message of Palm Sunday. God comes to be present and to bring transformation and restoration to the most difficult of places. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. God comes to be present and to bring transformation and restoration to the most difficult of places. This is just what Jesus did on that first Palm Sunday. He came to be present in a very difficult place, the most difficult place in all of human history, and that was the place of the cross where he would carry our sin, where he would endure the punishment for our transgression, where he would go through the separation of hell for us in our place so that we could be set free from it all as we trust in him as our savior and not in ourselves to make us right with God. Isaiah 53 verses four to five puts it this way. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, on Jesus the sins of us all. Jesus Christ comes to be present and to bring transformation and restoration to the most difficult places in life. Two Dutch sisters during the Second World War experienced this firsthand. Their names were Corey and Betsy Ten Boom. During the Second World War, they hid Jewish people in their home during the Nazi occupation of their country. For doing that, they were transported, sent away 
to the most dreaded concentration camp in the Third Reich, Ravensbrück. There they lived in despicable, dreadful, difficult, harsh, harsh circumstances. And yet Corey and Betsy Ten Boom looked to the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And they transformed, God through them really, transformed their crude barracks into a kind of prayer and Bible study center so that they could share the good news of Jesus with hundreds and hundreds of prisoners that were there. And as they did that, the cruel and harsh attitudes of so many of those prisoners were transformed into the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Eventually, Betsy became very, very sick, deathly ill. She was carted off to the prison hospital. Corey Ten Boom went with her and tried to shield her with her emaciated body from the winter sleep that was pounding against Betsy. When they arrived at the place where they just literally put Betsy on the floor, it was a place to die, not to find new health again. Corey leaned over and Betsy whispered something to her. It was the last words that Corey heard from her sister. And I want to read those words to you. Corey, we must tell people what we have learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been there. Betsy died the following day. Soon after, Corey was miraculously discharged from the camp just a few days before all the women in her age group were killed in that camp, put to death. And for the rest of her life, Corey traveled the globe telling her story of God's presence and faithfulness in the most difficult of circumstances. That's the good news that Palm Sunday brings to us. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Jesus Christ comes to be present and to bring transformation and restoration to the most difficult circumstances of life. I realize that some of you have been through some very difficult circumstances in your life. And some of us, there are difficult circumstances ahead for us. Pits that would seem unimaginable to us today but I want to say to you, wherever life takes you, wherever life leads you, there will never, ever be a pit so deep 
that God is not deeper still. And Jesus Christ will be there to bring transformation and restoration to the most difficult places of life. And even when it seems like that difficult circumstance, that difficult situation, that difficult illness, that tremendous loss, that trial, that struggle that you're going through isn't being transformed and restored. Something even better and more significant and more lasting is always happening. Jesus is changing and transforming and restoring us as his dearly loved children. How does Jesus change us? How does Jesus transform us in the most difficult of places so that we can know that no matter what we're going through, it is well with our soul? Here's how he does it. It's because his presence makes us people of prayer and people of praise. You see, the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives in the deepest pits of life can make us people of prayer. I want you to look at your Bible again. Look in your Bible at that Palm Sunday story in uh, Luke chapter 19 and look at verses 39 and 40. This is one bookend to the Palm Sunday story and here's how it goes. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. When we realize the truth of Palm Sunday, and what's the truth? The truth is that the royal presence of Jesus Christ is always with us. When we realize that, we are propelled to become people of prayer, people who cry out to God in every situation and circumstance of life asking him to bring transformation and restoration to our lives, our families, our community, and our world. And God's power for transformation and restoration of people and circumstances, it is released through prayer. I want to say something very important to you. Someone shared this with me a while back, and I just want to say it to you. Here's, here's what I want to say. He who is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. I'll say it again. He who is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. May we be people of prayer and in turn people who are familiar with the transforming and the restoring power of prayer. May Mission Liberty Hill never be a church that is a stranger to God's spiritual power at work in us and through us because we're strangers to prayer. May we always be people of prayer that we may be people of God's transforming and restorative power, seeing that power manifested in the most difficult circumstances of life. This is why the very First of our five values as a church is this. Uh, let's put that slide up there. 
we value being humbly, say the next word out loud with me, and creatively guided by the Holy Spirit and God's word. Why? Because we believe that in any person's life in Mission Liberty Hill, in any person's life in Liberty Hill, there is no pit so deep that Jesus Christ is not deeper still. So we are people of prayer. And the presence of Jesus Christ in our life can make us not only people of prayer, it can also make us people of praise, people of praise. Look in your Bible at the beginning of that Palm Sunday story, the other bookend, verse 37. And look at what verse 37 says. And when he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. You see, Christ's presence in the toughest circumstances of our lives can transform us into people of praise. And I tell you, if you're familiar with the scriptures, if you spend time reading the Bible, you see something over and over and over again. When the people of God find themselves in a difficult situation and they choose to put their focus not on the circumstances, they choose to put their focus not on their struggles, but they put their focus on their Savior, on their God and King, on the living and resurrected Jesus Christ, they become people of praise. They start to praise God. They may not be able to praise God for the circumstances, but they can praise God because he's right there with them. His presence, his peace, his power with them in the circumstance, they become people of praise. And what happens? You see it time and time again in the Bible. Transformation and restoration breaks through when God's people are people of prayer and people of praise. May Mission Liberty Hill always be a praising church. May you always be a praising Christian because Christ is with us. A while back, someone sent an article to me. I want to read this article to you today. Here's the title of the article. Let's put it up on the screen. It's just two words. Laos Deo. Laos Deo, that's the title of the article. It's a brief article, let me read it to you. On the aluminum cap atop the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. are displayed two words, Laos Deo, right at the top of the Washington Monument. No one can see these words. In fact, most visitors to the monument are totally unaware that they are even there. Laos Deo, two seemingly insignificant, unnoticed words, out of sight, and one might say, out of mind, but very meaningfully placed at the highest point over what is the most powerful city in the world. So what do these two words in Latin, composed of just four syllables and only seven letters mean? Very simply, Laos Deo means praise be to God. Say that out loud. Praise be to God. Within the Washington Monument itself 
are 898 steps and 50 landings. As one climbs the steps and pauses at the landings, the memorial stones share written messages. On the 12th landing is a prayer offered by the city of Baltimore. On the 20th landing is a memorial presented by some Chinese Christians. On the 24th landing is a presentation made by Sunday school children from New York and Philadelphia, quoting Proverbs 10, verse 7, Luke 18, verse 16, and Proverbs 22, verse 6. Praise be to God. Those words right there. When the cornerstone of the Washington Monument was laid on July 4th, 1848, deposited within the cornerstone was a holy Bible presented by the American Bible Society. Praise be to God. Consider George Washington's prayer for America inscribed on a bronze tablet adjoining Washington's pew in the church that he often worshiped at St. Paul's Chapel in New York City. And here's George Washington's prayer. Almighty God, we make it our earnest prayer that you will keep the United States in your holy protection, that you will incline the hearts of our citizens to entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. And that you will most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to conduct ourselves with charity, humility, and peaceful temper of mind which are the characteristics of the divine author of our faith and without whose example in these things we can never hope to be a happy nation. Grant our supplication, we beseech thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Laos Deo. Praise be to God. Say that out loud. Praise be to God people of praise and people of prayer. May we continue to grow in being this kind of people and this kind of church in our personal lives and in our life together. Did you notice what Jesus said in verse 40 of the Palm Sunday story? He said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. He was not talking about some singing group from the 60s. He's talking about the rocks around there, the little pebbles on the road. And I want to tell you, I don't want some rocks crying out on my behalf. We were made to be people of praise. We were made to be people of prayer. And that is what can truly change us and change the difficult circumstances of life always for the better. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. So let's keep laying out the welcome mat for him and live as his Palm Sunday people, people of praise 
and people of prayer.